I would ask you, if you uh, would, please take your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> We're continuing in Hebrews. We're getting closer to the end, but we'll be there probably another month or two. This morning we're going to be reading from uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. It is God's Word, so I'd ask you to please stand together with me as we read. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You have forgotten uh, that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My sons, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And your hardships as discipline, uh, God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, you are, uh, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level the path for your feet so that the lame may not be uh, dis disabled, but rather healed. Thus far, the reading of God's word. You may be seated. How many of us have ever asked the question, why is this happening to me? <laughs> why? Why? I, I don't understand this. I, I, it just doesn't seem right that this is happening to me. Well, by, but simply by us asking the, the question, we're proving that we think for some reason this shouldn't be happening to us, right? Something bad is happening to us and we go, there's no reason for this. It just shouldn't happen, right? Shouldn't happen that I've got the body of a of an aged individual, right? It shouldn't happen that uh, uh, all my money is gone. There's no more money in the bank. It shouldn't happen that uh, that my car broke down. It shouldn't happen that I've got more repairs on the house. These things just shouldn't be happening to me. What did I do wrong to deserve this? Do you ever ask that when bad things are happening to you? You think, what did I do wrong? I must have done something that's caused this. Well, I think maybe is the author of Hebrews is writing this to the Hebrew uh, Christians there in the first century. Uh, many of them might have been thinking that same sort of thing. He talks about the fact that you've under, you're undergoing a lot of difficult times. You're undergoing persecution. You're undergoing hardships here. Some of you have lost your jobs because of your stand for Christ. You were working for your Hebrew uh, cousin. He found out you converted to Christianity and he fired you. You lost your job. You were in a great big Hebrew family that uh, loved doing all the, uh, the festivals.
festivals and the feasts and all these things together, and you loved growing up with that, they found out you converted to Christianity, they booted you out of the family. In fact, they even had a funeral for you. They treated you as if you're dead. Maybe you had some property at one time, and you enjoyed it, and you were thinking, what great blessing the Lord has given me with all this property, and, well... Now, because of your stand for Christ, that has been confiscated from you. And the persecution gets tougher and tougher, and you're beginning to wonder if you're going to be beaten for being a Christian, or maybe even have to stand up and lose your life as a result of being a Christian. It hasn't happened yet, but it, it seems like it could very well happen. You know, because you were taught from the earliest time, that God is sovereign. He created all the universe. He continues to sustain it. He is in control. He knows everything that's happening. There's not a stray molecule in all the earth. Somehow, God is, is seeing what's going on with you. The omnipotent, all-powerful, sovereign God is seeing what's going on with you. And it's still going on. And you're thinking, why? Why is this happening to me? Did I, did I do something here? Did I do something wrong? God? Well, I think the author of Hebrews is knowing that those first century Hebrew Christians might have been thinking these sort of things. They might have been thinking the very fact that they converted to Christianity was wrong and God's punishing them for that. Well, the author of Hebrews is going to say, no, that's, that's not it at all. And that's not it at all with you either this morning. If you're going through some difficulties, I want you to know why you, you asked the question, why is this happening to me? Hopefully this morning, as we go through this passage and unpack it a little bit, maybe, maybe it'll change your mind on some of these things. Maybe it'll change our heart as we're going through some of these things. So you have your outline, five main points in your outline this morning. And uh, so let's see what the author of Hebrews tells us about this. Why, why is this happening to me? He's going to tell us it's discipline. God is disciplining us. And so, um, uh, as, as we look through it, let's see some things what she tells us about discipline. First of all, I want you to notice that there is a need for discipline. Um, we certainly should see that. You ever go into a, a grocery store or Walmart or something, and someone's pushing the cart, and the child is just screaming, blood-curdling scream, and you go, why are you screaming? Well, it's because they want something that mom or dad won't give them. And you're thinking to yourself, that was my child. <laughs> we would be applying the Board of Education to the seat of learning. Is that, is that how it goes? Something like, spare the rod, spoil the child. This child is spoiled, it seems. He needs, uh, needs some discipline. Needs to understand that simply because he wants something and doesn't get it isn't any reason to be throwing such a big fit. Well, quite often... There's a need for discipline when we misbehave and we do things wrong. Um, I think certainly King David knew this when he was uh, under sin with uh, Bathsheba, you know, and he, he sent uh, uh, the, uh, the, the letter of his own death warrant with her husband, Uriah. So, you know, he was sinning in, in adultery and sinning by murder. And uh, he says in the Psalms that day and night your hand was heavy upon me. He was sensing the hand of the Lord and the discipline of the Lord, and it was not pleasant. We see this quite often. We see it 
with Jonah trying to go the other way, right? The Lord's going to discipline him. Going the other way, and the, the sea stirs up, and uh, finally they have to throw Jonah overboard and get swallowed by a fish. I can't think that would be too pleasant either. Right? Lord's disciplining. And, uh, and, and I think that at times uh, there's discipline that is necessary because of our sinfulness. But I want you to know it's not always that way. Um, there's not always a direct relationship between what's going on in my life and my sin. When I was much younger, I've always been a Razorback fan. I know some of you think that's crazy. But you didn't grow up in Arkansas. If you grew up in Arkansas, maybe you would understand. And I loved the Razorbacks from the, the earliest I can remember. And I, every time they would lose a football game, I would think, what did I do to cause this? It was a sin in my life, and if I had done it, then they would win all the time. Uh, it's kind of silly to think that way, isn't it? But don't we all think when things go wrong, we think, what did I do to cause this? Well, there's not always a direct correlation between my sinful behavior and the evil or the wrong that goes on out there. And so there's a need for discipline, not only to correct sinful behavior, but there's also a need of discipline to develop proper behavior. Um, we see this uh, certainly in the military. Uh, there, you go into the military, um, a lot of young men go into the military to gain discipline, right? They didn't get it growing up, and they go in quite a culture shock. There's a great deal of discipline that goes on there. And it's not because they did wrong, but it's to, to create and develop proper behavior. Without discipline, we tend to get soft and expect it easy. And so when tough times come, we collapse. And so you go into the military and they're giving you this discipline and making it difficult on you to take you from being soft to, to make you hard and to build you up and to strengthen you. I think in America, Christians think we're supposed to have it easy. We think that one of the greatest things that God can ever do to us is give us the parking space closest to the mall, right? We go in there and we pray, I don't want to walk in this heat. So God provides parking place, and we get the closest one. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to me. I want you to compare American Christianity maybe to Chinese Christianity. And to know that today, if there are Chinese Christians meeting together in church, what are they, could they be fearful of? The government coming in and carting them away and and taking them off to jail, maybe, maybe even killing them right there, burning their churches down. These kinds of things are going on around the world today. They're not worried about where they're going to park. They're not worried about shedding blood. They're worried about their own lives, the lives of their family. Who's more committed as a Christian? It was hard enough for, for us to get up, get clothed, get cleaned up, get dressed, get into church, what a sacrifice. But if you knew this morning that if you were to come in here, there would be a strong possibility of confiscation of your property as a result, 
of maybe being beaten as a result, maybe being carted away to jail, or maybe even being put to death as a result of coming to worship today, would you, would you still do it? That's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Who has a stronger commitment to the Lord? Sometimes discipline, which is difficult, we're going to see that, is to develop proper behavior, strengthen our faith and our trust and our reliance on the Lord, and we're going to see our glorifying the Lord as well. Well, a third reason, a third need for discipline, not only to correct sinful behavior and to, to develop proper behavior, a third one is, a third reason for it is to get our attention. Sometimes we... A lack of attention. I'm sure you've heard about the mule uh, that the uh, farmer had to take two by four and strike the mule in the head just to get his attention, right? Maybe sometimes the Lord has to do that to us. C.S. Lewis said that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. Sometimes to get our attention. Sometimes maybe we need to be refocused on what God has created for us for, and that is to give glory to Him. An interesting thing, I've uh, been reading some on the book of Job, and the individual Job. And Job, uh, it, 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 the, the book opens, it tells about him. He is a wealthy man. He's got more wealth and, and property, and he's got a beautiful family. I mean, they're the ones whose pictures would be on Family Life magazine, these kinds of things. He's got it all, and you look at it and you go, what a wonderful guy. And he's thinking, God has truly blessed me. And he would say, God is good all the time, because look what the Lord has done for me. Well, we see there's this council in heaven, and Satan somehow gets there. And the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him. He's a righteous man. And Satan says something pretty interesting. He says, yeah, but look at what you've done for him. you got a hedge built around him. Look at all that he has. Look at the wealth that you've given him. Look at the beautiful family that you've given him. Look at the property you've given him. Look at uh, the prestige that you've given him. Why wouldn't he be a righteous and good man? Look at what you give him. He loves you for what you have given him. He doesn't really love you. He loves the stuff that you're getting. You, you let me take that stuff away from him, and he will curse you. He's not going to love you for you. He's going to curse you. So what do we see happen when the Lord says, well, I'll tell you what, you, can, you just can't touch Job. You can go and take all this stuff away. And so sure enough, all of his cattle is wiped out. His children are meeting together in a house, and it, it collapses, and, and they're all killed. Everything that Job has, as far as property, is taken from him. The hedge has been removed, if you will. All of these things that Satan was saying, he loves you for what you can give him, but he doesn't love you. What's Job's response? Remember? In Job chapter 1, Naked I came into the world, naked I returned. The Lord is given, and the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all of this, he says, yeah, most people look at it and say, well, um, 
God is good because of the stuff that he's given me. But when that stuff is taken away, do we still say God is good? Do we still say you are worthy of my praise? That's what you have created me for. That is what I will do. That's what Job did. That's what we're to look. That's the way we're to look at Job. So he's still praising God and all these things have been taken from him. So when the discipline comes and all of the all of the things that we would look at and go, God, you are so good. Look at all you've done for me. Are we and that's taken away, are we still able to say, God, all glory and praise and honor belong to you? Sometimes we need discipline to refocus us on the fact that God has created us to glorify him in all things. Well, we see the need for discipline. The second point that we have there is that the nature of discipline. Um, it sounds good in theory, right? Discipline is really helpful and good for us. So we go, okay, I'll, I'll accept a little discipline. But when it happens, we begin to go, I don't know, this isn't exactly what I, you know, on the buffet of life, you have all these different categories of things that are there that are, that are good for you. And uh, so you see the, the category pleasure, and you go, I'll take some of that. You see good health, and you go, I'll take some of that. Wonderful children, I'll take some of that. Wealth and prosperity, I'll take some of that. But look at what discipline, look at what discipline offers. We see how the author of Hebrews here describes it. Look with me in verse 4. Um, in your struggle against sin. All right, the buffets here, and we've got all these other categories. Now we have struggle. Are we going to go, yep, that's for me. I'm going to do some of that struggle stuff. Or verse 7, he goes on, um, endure hardship. All right, so we've seen struggle. Discipline is defined as struggling. It's defined as hardship. Are we going to go, yeah, I want plenty of that hardship. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. So what is that? Unpleasant. We go, yeah, I want a lot of that unpleasant stuff. And then he goes on, verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Yeah, give me that painful stuff, right? This is the nature of discipline. It is, it is a struggle, it's hardship, it's unpleasant, it's painful. And we look at it and think there's something wrong here. This isn't what God gives us, but this is the discipline of the Lord. It's struggle, it's hardship, it's unpleasant, it's painful. And we think it's odd that we would get this, and yet, and yet it's not odd at all. Well, we're going to see here because the next point there is we see that not only the need for discipline, we see the nature of discipline. It's not pleasant, uh, but look at who receives this discipline. Verse six: The Lord disciplines those He loves. The ones that he loves are the ones that he disciplines. This is not what the Jews expected. They expected health, wealth, and prosperity, right? If God loves you, he's going to give you everything. This is what the prosperity gospels in our days teach, right? That if God loves you, you get all the goodies, right? The prosperity gospel teaches those who God loves, he spoils. 
But what does the author of Hebrews say? Those the Lord loves, he disciplines. Now, this is not spoiling. This is discipline. <laughs> and so those he loves, he disciplines. And then he goes on and says that the recipients are those he loves, but also those he calls sons, those who are his children. He punishes everyone he accepts as a son. He goes on in verse, verses 7 through 9 to talk about this discipline that God has given us and, and our relationship to him as our father and we as his, his children. He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. <laughs> you ever think about that? If your life is all hunky-dory and everything's going perfect and everything is going good and you never have any problems, this verse would give you awful lot of concern, I would think. If you're not going through any discipline, then you're illegitimate. You're not truly God's children. Moreover, he goes, verse 9, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of uh, our spirits and live? Our, father disciplined us for a, our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness, and peace for those who have been trained by it. Who, who is the recipients of this discipline of God? Those he loves. Those who are his children. He disciplines. He doesn't spoil us. He, he disciplines us. Uh, thirdly, or fourthly, excuse me, not only do we see the need for discipline, nature of discipline, the recipients of discipline, but let's see what is to be the response to discipline. Look with me in verse 5. Um, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. If you have the New King James Version, it says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. The Greek word there uh, says it, it has the idea of to care for or to regard lightly or to make small account of. Uh, don't, don't look at the discipline of God and, and despise it. Don't look at it and, and uh, go, this is awful, this is terrible. That, that's a hard thing for us to swallow at times. We're going through the discipline of the Lord and, and not despise it. Because it hurts. It's painful. It's unpleasant. Hmm. But instead of do not despise it, what does he tell us in verse 9? Um, should we submit to our Father, to the Father of our spirits and live? We should submit to it. Should submit to it. Understand this is what God has for us right now because he loves us and he's, he's putting us through this. We're to accept it as coming from the hand of a loving father who's omnipotent and sovereign over all things. So we see need for discipline, nature of discipline, recipients of discipline, response to discipline, and finally the results of discipline we see here. And what happens as a result of God's discipline, verse 10, uh, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines for our good that we may share in his holiness. That we may share in his holiness. 
So that we, we become separate from the rest of the world. We are, we are like God in that. We are different. We, we become part of his family here. And then verse 11. Uh, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Righteousness and peace. Would you like to see that in your life? Would you like to have a harvest of, of righteousness and peace? Going through the most difficult times in, in your life and, you go, and you're be at peace with it and the world looks at you and goes, you're crazy. You know, no, no, the one who's in charge of this, he's good and he's loving and he's all powerful and he's got control of this and he loves me. And so I can be at peace with it. James in James chapter 1 um, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. <laughs> lacking nothing. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? God's, God's discipline in our life produces holiness and righteousness and peace and and ultimately, and eventually, to where we, we lack no good thing that he would give to us. Pretty good results, right? The discipline of God. So we've seen the need for discipline. We all need it, especially as American Christians. The nature of discipline, we shouldn't expect it to be pleasant. It's not. It's painful. It's tough. But who receives it, only those God loves and who are called his children, we should respond to it, accepting it as, as coming from a loving heavenly father so that we may be holy as he is holy and have a harvest of righteousness and peace so that we lack no good thing. I don't know if you ever watched, it used to be called the Military Channel. I think it's American Heroes Channels now. They uh, used to do uh, uh, talk about Navy SEALs and the training that they go through. Those guys are crazy. I tell you, to, 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 to put up with that, they have the, like the first two weeks called BUDS. I don't remember what it stands for. But uh, they have all these guys who are a lot stronger and can put up with a lot more than I ever could, and probably than you ever could, and they go and join it. And over 70% of them go and ring the bell. I'm out of here. Over 70% say this training is too much for me. I cannot put up with this kind of discipline. We might look at it and say it's insanity. But why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? So that they can be the best, the best warriors, if you will, that there has ever been and prepare them for whatever's going to come. They discipline themselves or, or are disciplined in incredible ways so that they can go through so much that you and I wouldn't begin to be able to go through. And so this morning as we look at the circumstances on our lives and maybe we're asking, why is this happening to me? God's disciplining you. Not because you have sinned necessarily, but because he wants to build you up in, in holiness and righteousness and peace so that you lack no good thing. 
God is disciplining you and God is working in you so that you become more like Christ. That's something each of us as Christians should really want. And so when we see the discipline, the hardships, the, the suffering and the pain, that which is unpleasant in our lives, don't despise it. Don't think lightly of it. But recognize that God is working in you. Rejoice that he is disciplining you to make you be, to be the kind of believer he wants you to be. Let's pray.